hello, and how are you today? Glad to be back. I'm about a week late. I wanted to follow up this uh, sooner, however. As often is the case, life does sometimes get in the way. Eventually, exhaustion sets in, and you just need to take a break from a little bit of everything. I'm sure you can certainly understand that. After all, we are only human. Right? (laughs) Welcome to the show, my friend. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 82. Five songs, five stories, five compositions, five, and sometimes more, artists. The show today is going to start off with a um, classic from Keith Jarrett. Originally, originally, boy, tripping over my tongue already, and the show has only just begun. Originally released in 1985 on the album Standards, Volume 2. This is Keith Jarrett, along with Gary P. P (laughs) Boy, oh boy, it's going to be one of those mornings, isn't it? Keith Jarrett, along with Gary Peacock, Jack DeJohnette. This is So Tender. Thank you. 
goodness gracious me, the great Keith Jarrett, tickling the ivories like only he could. From the album Standards, Volume 2, it's Keith Jarrett's uh, composition, So Tender. Sadly, Keith uh, can no longer play like that as he had a stroke back in 2018, and he spent several months in uh, rehabilitation learning how to walk again. He is capable of playing with his right hand, but his left hand is largely non-functional to him. For a number of uh, years afterwards, he was trying to figure out what to do with his life because he, he was no longer a piano player, so he didn't know how to be. But he continues to practice once or twice a month with his right hand, so he can still compose. He'll never be able to tour again, of course, but... You can still write, and very much like the late, great, long since late, great Ludwig van Beethoven, despite his physical impairment, he's capable of writing compositions. You do understand that Ode to Joy, the Ninth Symphony from Beethoven, was written when he was completely deaf, but he could still hear the music in his head, and that's how he wrote it. Keith, was the featured uh, artist in a February 2023 YouTube uh, short-form video on the Rick Beto music channel, always also known as Everything Everything Music, I believe is, is what it is. Everything, is it Everything Music? He identifies his, his programs as um, Everything Music, but it is the Rick, Rick Beto channel. If you've never seen it, you might want to check it out, because he goes in-depth with, well, hundreds of musicians from all genres of music. In that particular uh, instance, during that video, Keith uh, played for a bit with his right hand, saying, you know, he's able to practice about twice a month, as I said earlier. There was a scene in the video where uh, Rick plays him a composition that um, Keith... Jared had not heard since it was first recorded. It showed some deep comp- uh, concentration and enjoyment throughout uh, the, the listening session and smiled afterwards, remarking that I had more hands. I only had one more, though. At least he's not lost his sense of humor. I think for a number of years afterwards he was pretty down in the dumps about it, but he's come to terms with it with the full realization that he's had a, a pretty magnificent life. The great Keith Jarrett was one of the most revered pianists in jazz. At least he's still able to still able to compose. Will we ever hear some of his compositions? That remains to be seen, but hopefully we will someday. Although I don't know if they would be played in the same manner that he would play them if he could. Nevertheless... Keith Jarrett, one of the greats. Okay, let's move it along a little bit, shall we? We're going to go to uh, Mr. Lou Donaldson and his interpretation of the classic song from the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz, and his interpretation of Over the Rainbow. Now, this is an instrumental version only, from the album Everything I Play is Funky, recorded between 1969 and 1970. This is Lou Donaldson with his version of Over the Rainbow.
Recorded uh, on two dates, August 22nd, 1969, January 9th, 1970, the Van Gelder Studios in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Featuring the artists uh, Blue Mitchell on the trumpet, Lonnie Smith on the Hammond organ, Melvin Sparks on guitar, Jimmy Lewis on the Fender bass, and Idris Muhammad on the drums. That is a classic interpretation of the song originally, as I said, written for the film The Wizard of Oz, um, written by Harold Arlen with lyrics by Yip Yarberg. Harburg, sorry, Harburg. Of course, there were no lyrics in that particular interpretation thereof. Now, reading a little bit about that song, I discovered something that I was never aware of before today. The name of the character Dorothy, Dorothy, in The Wizard of Oz, I never knew her surname. I do now. Gale, G-A-L-E, which I often wonder, often wonder, I now wonder, often wonder, (laughs) I just learned the name, I can't often wonder something I just learned, but I wonder if the name Gale was indicative of the gale force winds from the tornado that brought her to Oz? What do you think? Maybe? Maybe not? I don't know. 
I'll leave that up to you to decide. That is a classic interpretation from a great record released in 1970. Three stars from all music and three stars from the Penguin Guide to Jazz recordings. So it was not particularly loved by the critics at the time. Why, I don't know. I'm not a critic, I'm just somebody who loves music, so... Hmm. Everything I play is funky. It sort of was on the edge of his foray into funk and R&B-driven soul jazz. I thought that was particularly groovy and somewhat of a romantic interpretation of the song. The heartfelt notes from the trumpet and the sax in there really gave it a sense of love. At least... That's my interpretation of the song. My interpretation of Lou Donaldson's interpretation. I mean, isn't the movie, after all, ultimately about love? As are most things in this world. Okay, I won't try and get too philosophical on you there. But I do want to play a composition now from an artist that uh, I love and miss. And I was sitting by a statue just a couple of days ago. From the album, Another Day. This is the late, great, man with four hands, the Maharaja of the keyboard. This is Oscar Peterson with the Oscar Peterson Trio. And the composition is titled, All the Things You Are. Enjoy.
just love the way that last note hangs in the air there. Oscar Peterson giving it that sustain. If only he could have sustained for much longer. He left us too soon as far as I'm concerned. I know he was not a young man at the time, but I really would have loved to have seen him perform live. Other than on television, of course, that is. I wish I could have seen him play in person. Sadly, I never did. But that's a lament for another day. The composition you just heard, All the Things You Are, was originally written for the film Very Warm for May in 1939. Composed by Jerome Kern, and there is a lyrical version. Uh, Lyrics were written by Oscar Hammerstein II. It was also featured in the film uh, Broadway Broadway Rhythm in 1944, and again in the Jerome Kern biopic Till the Clouds Roll By in 1946. Some popular recording versions of the time were by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, Artie Shaw and his orchestra, and Frankie Masters and his orchestra. Now the composition has been reinterpreted hundreds of times, featuring such artists as Dizzy Gillespie with Charlie Parker, Artie Shaw, Tommy Dorsey, the Modern Jazz Quartet, the Chet Baker Quartet, Art Pepper, Sarah Vaughan, Bill Evans Trio, Ella Fitzgerald, Sonny Rollins, Stan Getz, Barbara Streisand, Michael Jackson recorded it on the album Music and Me in 1973. Dave Brubeck, along with Anthony Braxton and Lee Konitz, recorded a version of it in 1974. Keith Jarrett has it on his album Standards Volume 1 from 1983. And Carly Simon recorded it for the album Moonlight Serenade in 2005. Of course, the version you just heard was the Oscar Peterson interpretation from the album Another Day, recorded between November 10th and 13th, 1970, and released shortly thereafter on the MPS label, featuring musicians uh, George Mraz on the double bass and Ray Price on the drums. George Mraz, and I hope I pronounced the surname properly because Jason Mraz, that's how he pronounces it, he was born in Pycek, Czechoslovakia, and died on uh, September 16th of 2021 at the age of 77 in Prague in the Czech Republic. It's interesting how the name of his birthplace had changed in his own lifetime. George had been a very popular jazz bassist and, and alto saxophone, saxophonist for that matter. He worked with, of course, Oscar Peterson, as you just heard on that composition, along with uh, Pepper Adams, Stan Getz, Tommy Flanagan, Chet Baker, Joe Henderson, and John Schofield, just to name a few. In the 1970s, he was a member of the New York Jazz Quartet and the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra. He also worked with Joe Lovano, Hank Jones, and Paul Motion on Lovano's records, I'm All For You and Joyous Encounter. It's a great trio, the Oscar Peterson trio, and that's uh, the album Another Day was not particularly loved by critics either. I think largely because it was somewhat of an indulgence for Oscar at the time. He was described as, well, I'm going to take this quote directly from uh, all music critic Ron Wynn, and he had this to say He's made so many albums over the years with a great deal sounding similar that while they're never bad, Sometimes they're for keyboard freaks only. That's something of the case here. Although Peterson spins some fabulous solos. So in this case, this album was largely made for musicians. And for musicians to appreciate. And I think that's okay. A little self-indulgence from time to time is... Well, I'd like to think a very good thing. And who can't take some indulgence from Oscar Peterson? O.P. as his friends commonly referred to him. The late great O.P., Oscar Peterson, the Maharaja of the keyboard, the man with four hands. Okay, moving things along. Let me play a composition from the album The Hub of Hubbard. This is Freddie Hubbard. And the composition is titled The Things We Did Last Summer.
Freddie Hubbard with his interpretation of the composition, The Things We Did Last Summer. It was recorded December 9th, 1969 at the MPS Studios in Villagen, Germany, released in 1970 in Germany and November of 1972 in the United States. The album did quite well for him at the time. Now that composition, The Things We Did Last Summer, it's been recorded a number of times, and it was first brought to popularity in uh, 1946 by Joe Stafford. It was originally uh, composed by Jules Stein with lyrics by Sammy Kahn. Now, there obviously is a lyrical version and a vocal version as well, and like, like I said, it was recorded by Joe Stafford and became a top ten hit back in 1946. It was later covered by uh, the chairman of the board himself, Frank Sinatra, along with the King of Cool, Mr. Dean Martin, who recorded two different versions of it, one in 1959, and then again on 1966. Both, both of those albums were Christmas albums. It was also recorded and became a hit in 1962 by Shelley Fabre. Now, if you're thinking that name rings a bell... Shelley Fabre, Shelley Fabre. Well, it should ring a bell. She's been an actor for, my goodness, a very long time. She first started in 1947 at the age of three. She made her first appearance on television in an episode of Letter to Loretta on the Clara Schumann story in 1954. She later became a um, regular on the television program, The Donna Reed Show, starting in 1958, which ran until 1966. And while there, she recorded a number of hit singles, including Johnny Angel and The Things We Did Last Summer, which was also the eponymous name of the album, The Things We Did Last Summer. Also had another hit song, Johnny Loves Me, off that same record. Now, Shelley Fabre, when I said you may may remember that name. She hasn't been really on anybody's radar in a number of years now. She hasn't entirely retired, but she, you know, makes appearances here and there from time to time. Last one being uh, as the voiceover artist in the role of Martha Kent in the 2006 animated direct-to-video release, Superman Brainiac Attacks. As for... uh, that was a theatrical release, of course. And, and for television, her last appearance was in 2003 when she played the voice of Martha Kent in the animated series Justice League. But you may be thinking, why do I still know that name? Well, if that didn't ring the bell, maybe this will be the one. She played the, the role of Christine Armstrong on the ABC sitcom Coach. We later found out throughout the run of that series that um, although her family was a, a farming family from Iowa originally, one of her first cousins was none other than Neil Armstrong, the man who first walked on the moon, which I thought was a clever bit of writing myself. Now, Shelley was married to uh, Lou Adler, for a number of years. When, let's see, I had it. I had the date here in my notes. 1964, they divorced in 1980. Now, Lou Adler, you may think that name rings a bell. Well, Lou Adler is a producer, uh, American record and film producer, and co-owner of the Roxy Theater in West Hollywood, California. He helped produce artists uh, Jan and Dean, The Mamas and Papas, and Carol King. He produced the album Tapestry in 1972. It was Grammy Album of the Year and has been called one of the greatest pop albums of all time. Coincidentally, he was also the executive producer of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He discovered and produced albums and films for Cheech and Chong and was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for his achievements in music. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013 along with Quincy Jones, and was awarded the Amit Ertgun Award. He later founded Dunhill Records, was president and chief record producer of the label from 64 to 67. That's when he signed the Mamas and Papas. 
producing six top five hits for the group, including California Dreamin' and Monday Monday. Reached number one on the pop charts with Barry Maguire's single, Eve of Destruction, a song that I love still to this day. He's a rather prolific musician, composer, producer, artist in residence. Lou Adler, who at 89 years old, is still going strong. That's a bit of a rabbit hole, I do realize that, of course, but sometimes that's the fun aspect of this program, is to take you on a bit of a journey as I explain how a composition came to be and where it takes us. The things we did last summer. The hub of Hubbard. The late, great Freddie Hubbard passed away in 2008 at the age of 70 years old. The age of 70 years old? At the age of 70. See how I stumble over my tongue sometimes? Perhaps I've had too much coffee this morning. That third cup may have been a bad bad choice. I did wake up very, very groggy and tired. After all, it is allergy season. It is the springtime here in Canada's capital of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And the uh, ash and poplar trees are spewing pollen like you wouldn't believe right now. Okay. Enough about me. Let's move on, shall we? This next composition is from the album The Bridge, released in January of 1962. This is Sonny Rollins. The composition, God Bless the Child. Thank you. 
Sorry, recorded January 30th, February 13th, and 14th of 1962. Released in April of 1962. The RCA Victor Studio B in New York City. Combination of jazz and hard bop. It was um, his first release following a three-year sabbatical and his first album from uh, for RCA Victor label. He had, uh, in 1969, he, or 59, my apologies, 1959, he felt rather pressured from his rather unexpected rise to fame, and uh, he decided he needed to take some time off to work on his craft. He took his saxophone up to the Williamsburg Bridge because he lived in the Lower East Side of Manhattan and didn't really have a um, place to play. So he sat on the Williamsburg Bri- Bridge and he said he would sit there 15 or 16 hours at a time, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and just play, practicing alone. 
The record uh, was seen as a departure from his earlier style, but it was very successful for him. Downbeat, five stars, all music, four and a half stars. The Rolling Stone Guide to Jazz Records, four stars. The Penguin Guide to Jazz Recordings, three and a half out of four. So, very well regarded. The album was released in 76 and again in 77, relaunched in 1992 on compact disc and remastered from the original master tapes for CD in 2003 on the Bluebird label. Now that record features the artists uh, Jim Hall on guitar, Bob Crenshaw on the bass, and Ben Riley on the drums. God Bless the Child, originally written by both Billie Holiday and Arthur Herzog Jr. in 1939. She first recorded it in uh, May of 1941. In her autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, Billie Holiday indicated that an argument with her mother over money led to the song. She stated that during the argument, she said, God bless the child, that's God his own. Anger over the incident led her to use that line as the starting point for a song, which she worked out with Herzog. In the 1990 book, Jazz Singing, Will Friedwald describes the song as both sacred and profane. It, re- it, it references the Bible, while indicating that religion seems to have no effect in making people treat each other better. I can't argue with that statement. Oh my goodness gracious me. Now, Billie Holiday had recorded that song some three times. I think her first was the initially recorded May 9th, 1941, with Eddie Hayward and his orchestra. Session number four, 44, sorry, on the Columbia OK record label. Second session, her final with Decca recording, session number 65, recorded in Los Angeles on March 8th, 1950. And the third and final recording, session number 76 on the Verb label, New York City, June 7th, 1956. Now the OK record label, O-K-E-H, First founded 105 years ago in 1918 by Otto Heinemann. Originally, it was a record label founded by the Otto Heinemann Phonograph Corporation, a phonograph supplier established in 1916, which branched out into records. The name OK, OK, capital O, lowercase K-E, capital H, from the initials of the Otto K.E. Heinemann the gentleman who founded the company, but it was later changed to just OK, lowercase h, so capital O, capital K, lowercase e-h, since 1965. It was a subsidiary of the Epic Records label and then a subsidiary of the Sony Music label. Today, OK is a jazz imprint distributed by Sony Masterworks. It was retired and then reissued and retired and reissued and is... Once again, going strong as a jazz label. Kind of fascinating, if you ask me. The little rabbit hole you can go down if you decide to follow and take the bait. And sometimes I often do. Well, this brings us to the end of today's program. I hope that you've enjoyed the time we've spent together, because I've very much enjoyed putting this together for you. If you find yourself in a sullen mood, maybe some jazz will help lift you up. There are 81 more shows, parts 1 through 81, available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and my RSS feed as well. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Wherever you are in this world, I hope you are happy and healthy and enjoying the jazz. Until we meet again, my friend, I will see you later. You take care.